Hi guys and welcome to the podcast of Meeting Your Friends through Tessie's Lens. My name is Tessie Anthony Danasso and I'm here today with the most amazing friend, Dirk Dennen. Dirk Dennen is a Belgium citizen, born in Germany, who grew up in his own words, literally all over the globe. Everywhere. A, a true citizen of the world. <laughs> Dirk was the Dean and Lecturer of UBI with campuses in Luxembourg, Brussels and Shanghai. Like myself, Dirk started a consultancy business in 2003, focusing on communication for privates and public figures such as the European Commission and the European Parliament. Mm -hmm. Dirk has created and organized eight TEDx events in Luxembourg, including TEDx Luxembourg City. Moreover, Dirk is a lecturer at several universities, including the University of Luxembourg and the University of Antwerp. Privately, Dirk has two lovely daughters and spends his free time on TEDx with his daughter, age 15, who, as it's said, is one of the youngest TEDx organizers in the world. So the apple does not fall far from the stem, as they say. <laughs> Welcome, Dirk. It's Thank you very really much. lovely to have you here. It's, uh, it's an absolute privilege to be here. Thanks. I heard you came with the car. I did. So <laughs> I, I used the opportunity to come to London. So we used to live very near to London. Um, one of those, as I said, or as you said, we grew up a little bit everywhere. So Germany, France, um, England, the US, Brazil. So really, we traveled so much. And one of the places we were lucky enough to come and live was London. So I thought I'll bring my parents over from because right now we're based in Brussels. So I thought bring my parents over, come and have a look around. Lovely. What a beautiful place with the Christmas lights and everything. Yeah. But it's a long drive. My word. Five hours door to door. Oh, yeah. oh, that's not that bad, actually, because you're taking a ferry as well. No, no, it's uh, the Eurotunnel. Ah. I tried the ferry the last time we had a delay of eight hours. Oh my <laughs> so goodness. I thought never again. But yeah, so five hours door to door, is, uh, it's very convenient. Well, welcome. Thank you so much for all of the effort to come here to London Thanks. and speak with me. So um, if I were to meet you just on the street or in the elevator and you would have two minutes to explain who you are and what you do, what would you say? Gosh, um, so I, I do consider myself to be very much an international citizen um, because I have been brought up everywhere. And even though now I'm based in Brussels, I think one of the lovely things about Brussels is that it's so central. So I tend to spend a lot of time in Luxembourg, of course, uh, but also we try and travel as much as we can. You know, I, um, my kids, they go to school in Belgium, but we want to expose them to as much as possible. So we travel around a lot. So a global citizen. Secondly, I really aim to be an educator. So I got into education probably a little bit later in life. It was, it's almost a second career. So I started off actually as an IT consultant, which not many people know and takes a lot of people by surprise. Um, but my area of expertise right now, the area that I teach, the area that I research is very much communication skills. So global citizen, educator, and somebody who really understands, very confidently understands that communication is everything. If you ask some of my students, they'll, they'll say I'm the perception guy. So in my opinion, reality just doesn't matter. It's the perception that matters, especially in communication. So it's not what you say that counts. It's what people perceive you to have said. It's not what you do that counts. It's what people perceive you to have done that counts. 
And I think that's a message that I'm trying to get out there, um, especially to all of my students. Oh, that's really interesting. We definitely will go a little bit more in detail with that later okay. on. One question I ask all of my podcastees is, um, when did you meet me and what did you think? Because obviously with the podcast, people want to know who are my friends and how did they meet me? Because a lot of people say, oh, you met Tessie, how did that happen? Right. Okay, so so I met you, but prior to meeting you, I was I heard about you, and I think that's kind of the key. That I'm fortunate being involved with TED and TEDx, the TEDx platform, to meet some absolutely incredible people. So I'm always on the lookout for incredible people, and and to be perfectly honest, from a very very selfish perspective. I've got to ad admit that one of the things about TEDx is it allows me to be around people that I truly admire, who otherwise, as a lecturer at a university, probably wouldn't give me the time of day. So, um, so I get that opportunity to meet exceptional people. So, of course, being based in Luxembourg, um, you're everywhere. You know, people talk about you all the time, and I kind of made it a mission that I wanted to get to know you. So I looked into through TEDx to try and get your contact details, um, which I did. And then we were fortunate enough to meet. And of course, um, what a wonderful person you are. So the things you're involved with is absolutely, absolutely incredible. So and you were fortunately you agreed to come and do a talk at TEDx Luxembourg City, which I know is a real privilege because you have been asked to do TED Talks before. Uh, you've always said no. But I'm terrified of this red Well, you, you can't say no to TEDx Luxembourg <laughs> uh, City. It is yes, the Luxembourg City event. You are Luxembourg. I so. know. That's the reason, because right. it's in Luxembourg. And uh, yeah, I just thought it would be really nice to just step out of my comfort zone right. and, um, and stand there on stage on that horrible horrific red dot for me like for me it's really like some people have fear of spiders and so on for me that red dot is really it's quite intense but i'm really really looking forward to it but enough of that of me so tell me you just uh, started talking about the tedx mm. for me obviously you know um i have heard about it but a lot of people don't know about tedx right. they don't know about ted how it started so um how about we start with how did you get involved in TEDx Sure. and how difficult is it to even start your own TEDx as you did? Yeah. Is it private? Is it a separate entity from TED? How is the relationship with TED as well? Just so people understand. Yeah, absolutely. So how I initially got involved, um, my nephew, uh, so my brother's the oldest son, he, this was probably about 20 years ago, he introduced me to what he said was something incredible. And we logged on to TED.com and he showed me a video that was that was out there. And, and it was a really interesting video. What I loved about it was also being involved in education. Mm -hmm. It's it's this really short clip, you know, 15 minutes, really. The majority of talks are around 15, maximum 18 minutes. And it, it gives a message, an idea, it, it spreads an idea in this very limited time zone, which is easily consumable by everybody. And I thought that was just, just remarkable. And I got more and more interested. And so I was watching more and more of these TED Talks. But of course, I never thought I'd be involved in it at all. So one day, 
about eight years ago, I was contacted by a former student who said to me, would I mind hosting a TED event um, at the university in Brussels called EHEX? So, so I did. I, in fact, I was unbelievably privileged. I thought, my word, you're considering me to come and stand on a TED tour, on mm. a TED stage. And I immediately got the sweats thinking, oh no, I'm going to be online. I'm going to be, people are going to be able to look me up. But yeah. actually being a host means that you're never online. Um, you're not recorded for the video. So I'm the person oh. that comes in between the speakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's how I initially got involved. Um, and I just loved it. And I got to know the organizer really well, who was quite a young student. Um, she was a student from, from prior in our bachelor program. Mm -hmm. And so I met her now while she was doing a master's. And she explained to me how it was, but she also informed me the difference because I didn't know the difference myself. Yeah. You know, what is TED and what is TEDx? Exactly. So TED was started, oh, I, I shouldn't have gone down that road. I'm not sure, a long time ago. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess right now at about 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. And TED did, you know, it, it starts for technology, entertainment and design. So initially they were conferences uh, based around those three subjects, but it developed into something slightly bigger and just the ideas that were spread using the TED platform and they, they used the slogan ideas worth spreading. Mm -hmm. um, it, it became really popular, although not hugely popular, not what it is today. So what happened was uh, Chris Anderson had this, the insight to so Chris Anderson run, runs TED. He had this idea or the team had this idea mm -hmm. to create independently run TED events, which they call TEDx. Yeah. So in fact, 10 years ago, they're celebrating their 10th anniversary this year. 10 years ago, they decided let's grant licenses to people all around the world and they can run TED-like events. And so TEDx are TED-like events, which are organized everywhere. So like if I would say, oh, Tessie wants to create her own TEDx. Yeah. You just approach TED like Absolute, online, and, you, and what are, what are the guidelines? How do you how do you get there? Right. So there are different types of licenses. Yeah. And okay. when I when I first started, I applied for a university license, and so being based at a university, I thought, okay, um, I applied online. Um, I got a couple of questions back from TED just to make sure that everything was under clear and understood. And they granted me the license. And that first license has a maximum cap of 100 attendees. So the idea really with 100 attendees is that you, you start a TED platform and you engage people, not too many, just to make sure that everything goes well. Yeah. And those 100 attendees, they attended, it was brilliant. The feedback was exceptional. We had some really cool speakers. Um, but that, that's another thing, inviting speakers. But so the curation process is really interesting. Mm. So we had really good speakers. Then all the people that came are contacted immediately afterwards by Ted to say, how did you like it? Yeah. And they use this thing called a net promoter score. So yeah. you get a score from minus 100 through to 100. And my score was really high for that first one. It was sort of in the 80s. Oh, wow. So yeah, from minus 100 to 100 up there in the 80s. That's amazing. Which actually I thought was unbelievable because if you look online at Net Promoter Score, they always say, you know, anything around 60 plus is yeah. world class, you know. But then of course I talk, spoke to Ted and they said, well, you know, TEDx events tend to have a very high, on average, a very high Net Promoter Score anyway. So, um, 
So it, oh no, that was your moment of fame. <laughs> it was crushed. <laughs> no, but listen, I, it's, it's, I, people have such a fabulous uh, experience with TED and okay. TEDx. So, so I thought, right, this worked really, really well. And Ted was super encouraging that it went well, I guess, um, for us to do it again. So we again applied for the license, uh, did the university license. I did that three times in a row. And, and that was in the north of Luxembourg in a city called Wiltz, which you know very well, yeah. I'm sure. Do you pay for the license? How does no, it work? No, no, you don't. You're so self-reliant, right? You, Everything you do is you pay. You just get the branding, I assume? Yeah, so you never actually pay for the license. Ted grants you that for free. Okay. But, of course, financing the event is entirely up to you. So while you don't need to pay Ted, Ted also don't fund you. Um, and, and you need to go by your name. So, you know, I'm not Ted, I'm TEDx. And at the time it was UBI Viltz, which was the name of the university in the city. Yeah. So, and of course, what I noticed was, you know, Ted is a very well recognized brand. Um, and so people listen. But then when I said, you know, I'm TEDx UBI Viltz, um, I've got to say, sponsors weren't easy to come by for those first events. Mm. But okay, we had, you know, the university were really, really supportive and pretty much they funded everything. Mm, that's amazing. Um, yeah, and I, and I think there's a lot of university events that do that. There are a lot of universities out there that pretty much fund the whole concept. But, you know, I completely understand why. And I, I'll say this now because, and I'll probably say it a few times before the end of this uh, podcast, I genuinely believe that TED is one of the most impactful and probably one of the best educational platforms that exists today. You know, as, as a lecturer, being in front of hundreds of students in, a, in an aula in a big lecture theater, mm. there's only so much impact I can have. But the TED platform, the TEDx platform, what that enables um, people to hear, what that enables people to understand, yeah. I think is remarkable. Um, so, but, but coming back to that, so I'd organized this, this TEDx event. I did it three times in a row in Luxembourg, uh, in Viltz, but the feedback that I got always was why on earth do we have to travel all the way up to Viltz? Yeah, yeah, because Why is Viltz, there nothing in Luxembourg city? Just for people to understand, yes. Viltz is quite far from the city. Uh, it's like, what, it's like 40 minutes, 35, yeah. 40 minutes. Well, now with traffic, right. it probably takes you around an hour and a half. Well, it's all perspective, isn't it? Yes. You know, I, I have a brother that lives on the outskirts of um, of uh, Denver, Colorado, and he lives oh, wow. on the outskirts, <laughs> but it's like an hour and a half drive, you know. Yeah, yeah. But to live on the outskirts of Luxembourg City, yes, I mean, 45 minutes is ridiculous yeah. to get to, you know. And, um, but, and to be fair, I understand because while there's a motorway going quite far north, it doesn't get up to Viltz, and so you have to do quite a lot of the country lanes. So it is a bothersome place to get to. Yeah. So with that feedback, you know, why is there no Luxembourg City event? I contacted Ted. Um, I went to a Ted event in New York. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because so people to understand as well, Ted is only for the US. No, well, yes. So Ted, it's it's organized in New York. Their, their uh, main offices are there, <clears throat> and Ted organize probably around two to three events a year. So you have this year, you had Ted twenty nineteen. Um, it usually takes place in Vancouver, mm -hmm. funnily enough. Um, and then they have other events. So they have TED Women, which is happening yeah. now in December. And that's, I believe, in Palm Beach. Um, and then 
I think this year there was TED Summit. So, and then in previous years there was TED Global, which happened in a in um, one of the one of the countries in Africa. It escapes me precisely which. So TED only really organizes a, a few events a year maximum. Every other TEDx event is is run as an independent event. Mm. But to put that into perspective, while TED only do three events a year, more or less, yeah. there were 3,600 TEDx events last year. Wow. So, and that happened in over 170 countries in multiple languages. Yeah. Albeit, I think probably that's one of the slight weaknesses is that the majority, the vast majority of TED talks are online or in English. Yeah. Um, but fair enough. And, and it's almost <clears throat> a self-fulfilling prophecy that they remain in English because we my, my daughter in just fact, go with the brand i guess yeah huh? and, and the people that are really interested in ted of course are the ones that are native english speaking so in luxembourg you know we organized this tedx luxembourg city event and i was praying that people would come you know and i previously had up to 100 people yeah. but i got the license when i was in new york and and applied for that license and so i got the license for yeah. luxembourg city now i was allowed to have more than 100 attendees and I crossed my fingers and prayed that people would come. And I, I thought, right, I'm going to be really brave. Bear in mind, I'm a teacher. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have the funding. I can't back up on or um, come back to funding on my own. So I signed a contract with Neumünster Abbey. Yeah. Which is probably one of the most beautiful, beautiful locations in Luxembourg yes, City. Really nice. I mean, I'd recommend everybody to go and visit. Absolutely. It's absolutely incredible. And fortunately, the, the people who run the Abbey, they were super supportive. They knew of TED, but not that many other people know of TED. Yeah. You know, Luxembourg is not necessarily, while many people speak English, not everybody does, and especially the locals. Yeah. So when I started talking about TED and a TEDx Luxembourg City event, I've got to confess, I was quite surprised with the number of people that didn't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. So, and pretty much people fell into two categories. They either knew nothing about it or they were super keen. So I was, again, I, I released the date. Uh, I told everybody Thursday at nine o'clock in the morning, we're going to release the tickets. There are only 300 tickets available. I was like, please let us sell it. Yeah, yeah. But um, I made out like, you know, they're going to go really quickly. And I'll tell you what, sure enough, we had a really good social media team as well. Yeah. They were sold out in around six minutes. The Abbey tells me six minutes, all the tickets were gone. Oh, that's amazing. And in fact, the Abbey told me we crashed their system. So they'd never had that many ticket sales in such a concentrated period of time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought, okay, next year, let's go bigger. Yeah. And I'm one of those probably rather silly people that I tend to bite off something, but it's significantly more than I can chew. Mm -hmm. So we said, okay, let's go from 300, let's look for a venue double the size. But then one of my friends spoke to me about the Philharmonie, which is... Which is beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I walked inside that, inside that theater yeah. and I thought, this is incredible. So I said to them, okay, you know, how much does this cost? It, it's not cheap. <laughs> um, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Yes. But so I said, uh, I, uh, one of our main sponsors, the ING, they're really great for us. Yeah. And they helped me with the first one. That's really nice. And I said to them, look, you know, can you, can you guys help me out here? Because we need to go for the second one. And I'd really like to get the fiddle money. Because Neumünster is sort of this classical Luxembourgish place, as is the fiddle money. Yes. You know, where else do you go in Luxembourg that's so Luxembourgish? 
And so I signed the dotted line, 1,200 people, and then I was sweating it out. Are we going to fill this place? Uh, Is this going to make me bankrupt? (laughs) Um, But yeah, incredibly, again, we sold out. It, it, It wasn't super easy to do. Social media, we had to get out there. But but we sold out a couple of weeks before the event. Oh, so yeah. and typically you'd expect to sell quite a few tickets on the day of the event as well. So mm-hmm. you know we were super happy. So so yes, TED is this centrally run um, event, couple a year, two or three a year, and then TEDx. There are so many of them. But I think the the main city events, especially the capital city events, those are quite closely guarded you know and there's no cap on how many people can come so so yes i i i'm not going to say that it was easy getting the tedx luxembourg city license i i had a lot of sleepless nights when i applied for it will i get it but um but fortunately they believed in me and that was that was amazing and i'd like to think that their belief was was well uh, was well put because we've i think we've I've been so proud of the team involved and everything we've created. Um, and after the Philomanie event in June, we decided let's just, you know, the going's good. Let's really keep pushing. Um, the TEDx University of Luxembourg started one again. Um, then so last year after our, Phil- after our Neumannster event, yeah. they started one. Um, and now this year, the International School of Luxembourg is doing a TEDx youth event. Yeah. So I think the momentum is really building, you know, from this little city in the north of Luxembourg having a TEDx event. Suddenly, you know, this year there were there were six events. Um, and of course, now we have our TEDx Luxembourg City Women event, which you have kindly accepted to come and do a talk at. I'm excited. Oh, gosh, it's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm nervous. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, but listen, you know, being nervous for an event, I think, is necessary. You know, if you're if you're cool and if you're not nervous for something like this, then it's not going to go well. Um, I think that the key here is a TED talk is nothing like any other talk. And I know you do a lot of talks, but it really is nothing like any other kind of talk that uh, that you do. It's it's only 15 minutes, you know, again, 18 maximum, but I always say shoot for 15. What can you get out there in 15 minutes? I mean, Mm -hmm. considering your level of experience and all the people that do TED Talks, you know, usually they have amazing ideas, um, but they have a lot of them. So which one do you focus on? It's really difficult to just focus on one idea and then back that up with something of substance, Mm -hmm. you know, because these fabulous people have so much to say. So it, it's difficult, you know, which is your favorite child? Which is your favorite idea? It's, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, so I've asked you to do the impossible, but it's, I think, really important that you, you do take it seriously. Um, and, and I know you are, which is really, really great. And so we t- really try and help where we can as an organizer. And of course, my area of expertise is communication and public speaking. That's mm-hmm. my area of research. So we try and help wherever we can and try and coach our speakers. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really I'm extremely excited for my talk. Um, so just to share with our listeners and um, our people, the people who look at the video, uh, my process. Mm-hmm. So um, after you obviously contacted me and I agreed to come and speak, uh, which obviously we will share the talk with you below this video because it will be published after my talk. Yeah. So you will have the treat to see the video as well at the same time as this podcast. Um, so... 
for me, it was really difficult. You were saying, yes, you are in use of speaking around the world and doing all of these things. But just the sheer fact, well, not just only the red dot, because your whole body language is exposed, which for right. me is one of the most terrifying things when I'm really just exposed to the, to the eyes of people. Something I have always struggled with since I'm very small. Right. So that's one. And then the second one as well with the TEDx, um, just to find that one idea, because I do so many things and it's just about what can I share where people can actually also see themselves in and learn from it and apply it. So like that one seed you put in the ground, which can become a tree. So what is that? And for me, it was really, I was reading the, the TEDx book. I had the TEDx app from you as well. So um, I was obviously very, very privileged because TEDx Luxembourg City, I must say compared to other TEDx's, which are all great as well, but just the care you gave me and you give every one of the speakers, like you were with me on Skype for hours working on the, the, the finishing of my speech, uh, with telling me, well, have you considered this? Like you did not tell me just write that. No, you were really helping me through the, the thought process of, of, um, of rounding up my own idea with my own um, experiences, which for me was a beautiful path because I learned so much about myself while writing this speech as well. Um, so, uh, but other people that are not yet with TEDx and wanna be with TEDx, um, what are you looking for? How can people, when they write you, what do you want? That, that's, a really, that's a really good question because Excuse me, I, I get contacted quite a lot. As soon as you say that you curate uh, a TED event or a TEDx event, mm -hmm. um, there are people that it's, it's a bucket list item. You know, they're, they're very impressive people and they've always wanted to do a TED talk. So, so I do get contacted quite a lot. But what people don't realize and what I really try to focus on with you and, and all our speakers is that we're really... I, I don't mean this to come across badly, but we're not that interested in the people. We're interested in their ideas and then specifically one idea. So when as a team we get together at the very beginning of the process, um, we basically think, right, what would we really love to hear about? What's relevant for Luxembourg City? So what, what's going on at the moment? What kind of things would the local population really love to hear? Mm -hmm. As well as, of course, it's going global. So these, these talks are online. So what is new that maybe Luxembourg has to offer that we can put out there to, for everybody? So really the, the curation part is about looking for ideas and less so for people. Mm -hmm. Now, okay, it, it goes hand in hand. Some people that have amazing ideas tend to be really amazing people. And so that, that's great. And that's why, that's why uh, we have them on stage. But like you said, that, that process of you know, taking somebody who is used to potentially speaking a lot and really focusing down on the TED talk, which is a very different thing from anything that, you, that people have done before. For sure. And we, we take a lot of time mm. in that because it is really important that it comes across well. So we look for the good idea. Yeah. We look for a really good way of putting it across, which which avoids kind of like charisma as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Because you know, if you look at the ones that are out there, that the TED talks that are out there that have done really well, um, usually they're a little bit funny. You know, they they have personal anecdotes which justify why that person is uniquely qualified. Yeah. And it's 
I think those are the things that are really, really important. You know, c coming back a little bit to what I said earlier about TEDx being such a good educational platform. You know, I, I've, as you mentioned, I have two teenage daughters mm -hmm. and as a father to those daughters, I, I'm trying to think about how can I educate them in things that I'm worried about. And of course, as every father or mother of teenage daughters, social media is really high up on that scale. Yeah, yeah. So I, I am you. I'm with you there. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and I'm really trying to get to grips with it myself. I'm learning Instagram right now because I realize I don't know anything about it. And my kids are on it a lot. Um, and, and oh gosh, all these Snapchats and but TikTok. So, oh, exactly. I don't even oh, know what it is, but I hear about it all the time. <laughs> well, I, I saw my daughter do a TikTok video and had a look at it and thought, <laughs> right, that is, am I comfortable with that being out there? Um, yeah, yeah. But, but so, you know, I'll, I'll sit down and talk with them and typically I'll have eyes rolling at me. And But so at one point I thought, okay, what is out there as a TED Talk? So mm. I had a look for social media TED Talks, uh, especially geared towards the youth. And there were some really good talks out there. But again, it was a little bit like dad talking to her about, I thought, who can I get to come and talk to her? That is that she really respects, that mm. she loves. So together we, of course I do, as you mentioned, I do Ted in my spare time. That's really, you know, I have my full-time job, but Ted is really, anytime I'm not working, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I thought, well, how do I get my kids more involved with what I'm doing in my spare time so that I can spend more time with them? And so I asked Jasmine if she'd ever thought about doing, my, my oldest daughter, she's 15 now, but this was two years ago, you know, would she want to be involved with TED? Yeah. And so we applied together for her to have a TEDx license and she got a TEDx youth license, which she did at her high school. And that's so incredible. It, it is that's really beautiful. I need to look into that for my son as well. I yeah. think they would I mean, really like that too. It's such a, it's such an incredible experience to go through with, mm. with your child. Um, and of course there, you know, I thought, well, let's try and see if we can get her to invite people that I think would be interesting for her and for her friends at school and for my other daughter. So yeah. of course I suggested to her, well, why don't you invite your favorite actress? Uh, to come and talk about social media and she thought oh what a good idea so she invited her her favorite actress and she came and she Which spoke was? about social media it's bab berlins in uh, she's on tv in in belgium and so she came and did a talk about social media oh wow and my daughter was she was also involved in the process of getting that talk together which is really great because she then also sees the process of how do you get from an idea to something that's yeah. deliverable on the stage? So she's, of course, really interested in communication now as well. Um, but it was amazing because, you know, Bob went on stage and spoke about social media. I can talk about social media as much as I want. Yeah. She's not going to listen. Yeah, yeah. Bob speaks about it for 15 minutes and my kids have a completely new mm. idea on social media. Everybody that was in that room, all the students of that school, they're now within 15 minutes are really well educated on social media that's and that, amazing. that that is really amazing and that's why i genuinely believe it's such a good educational platform mm -hmm. imagine if you had something where people would voluntarily go to to have a look at and listen to a really good idea mm -hmm. and it's only 15 minutes it's about ideas worth spreading because now they get interested and now they go and research it some exactly. more
you know, it's really important that people look at a TED talk, not just for our, for motivational purposes, which stereotypically, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. a TED talk is a motivational thing. But not only, I mean, it's really about ideas. So when you watch a TED talk, watch it with skepticism as well, you know, question it. Mm. Because good TED talks and TED are doing a lot of work right now on battling bad science. Yeah, There's a really good TED talk with Ben Goldacre, which he talks about bad science, which everybody should watch because it's so important, especially these mm. days. Um, but it, it, that's really important. So we focus on uh, with the speakers about that as well. Mm. You know, don't make those generic statements. Yeah. You know, you, it's not proper to come out on stage and say, I've heard it said many times that, you know, that, yeah. that doesn't work. That's not, that's not real science. So talking about then um, with uh, bad talks, for example, mm. you know, as you said, there's around 3000 last year at TEDxs and you were involved with so many Share with me if, uh, what was the worst TEDx? Like what was, the, what was the worst thing that went wrong? Without saying a name, but just, uh, you know, what was the experience? Because, you know, as a speaker myself, I know there's a lot of things that go wrong behind okay. the scenes and there's a lot of things that go wrong as a speaker, him or herself. Right. So what was that for you where you were like, oh, this is not good. Where are we going here? Okay, so officially, nothing's ever gone wrong. They've all been perfect <laughs> and everything has gone exactly as planned. Okay, um, so un unofficially, you know, the, the thing, again, the unique thing about TED is I can't pay anybody to come on stage and do a talk. Um, so, and likewise, nobody can pay to come and do a talk. Yeah. You know? and, and that's, I've been approached quite a few times by companies with people that want to go and talk about their products. And, and of course that can't happen. Yeah. But in that breath, as I mentioned, I can't pay anybody to come on stage. So then you're left with this dynamic where you maybe have 10 to 12, 15 speakers and you've asked them to come and do a TED talk. And some of those speakers get really, really nervous. And a lot of these speakers decide that they're very good at public speaking. They don't need to put the time in. They don't need to worry mm, about it. They so, wing it. Exactly. Well, they try. Yeah. But I won't let anybody on stage unless we've gone through a coaching session. But of course, they put off that coaching session to the last minute and then they keep pushing it back and they say, well, we've got plenty of time. I'm going to tell you that probably at least in every event, at least one person has backed out. At, for every event, which leaves us with a hole in the schedule. Oh, and, no. and it's, that's a really difficult thing to do because, you know, you, you've got brochures printed and people are expecting to come and see, but okay, I haven't paid them. So they're probably thinking, oh no, this is a lot harder than I thought it was. Yeah. They're now days before the event and they realize they're not prepared. They mm -hmm. know that their talk is going to go potentially global, potentially viral. They don't want to look bad. Yeah. So, so that for me is one of the biggest concerns. And I, I'm always also trying to keep very close to my speaker so that I can judge, is this person going to drop out? Is yeah, this yeah. person, because it's always in the back of you my mind. You even thought I would maybe drop out. Uh, huh? No, that, Come I, on, that, admit it. No, no, I, I okay. <laughs> no, I, I, I think everybody's going to drop out <laughs> because that's one of the things I'm most worried about. And mm -hmm. I have the most experience with that. So no, I mean, Listen, I, I have a lot of respect for all of my people. Gosh, you just asked me such a rotten question. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's, it's certainly something that, uh, that, that, is, that is awkward. And mm. I, so I think probably it's not so much my fear is that they drop out, but my fear is that they're not prepared enough. 
Yeah. You know, and but you know what? When they do prepare, wow. And we had a we had a speaker. In fact, one of my very first TED events. Yes. Uh, TED TEDx uh, UPI built. We had a speaker that flew over from the states. And I've been trying to communicate to my students that you're as good as the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. And so this guy, he preaches that, that idea. As like, kind of like the five people around you make yeah, you, right? Exactly. Yeah, I like But that. He, he kind of has this thing called the law of 33%. So his idea is that, you know, a third of the people around you should be your equals. A third of the people around you are people that you rely on to help you. But a third of the people around you should be 10 times what you are and what you're achieving, trying to achieve. And it's, it's a really important message. And mm. I've been trying to get my students to come to terms with this. So I looked him up. I found him. Amazing guy. I said, would you like to come to the university and come and give that talk? And he said, gosh, it's been a dream. So, wow. so sure enough, um, he flew over from L.A. Uh, to come and give that talk. Now, about three o'clock in the morning, the night before the events, and I'd, all the speakers were in the same hotel. Yeah. I got a call from the speaker in the room next to him. And Roger called me and said, uh, said Dirk, look, uh, I need my sleep and I can't get to sleep. This guy next to me won't shut up. I thought, oh no. So I flew, <laughs> over, flew over there by car. And this guy was practicing the entire night through. So he didn't bother to go to sleep. And when I spoke to him about it, he said, well, I'm nervous anyway. I'm never going to sleep anyway. So I'm just going to use this nervous energy in a positive way and yeah. practice my talk. And so the talk was only sort of 12 o'clock the following day. This guy practiced the entire night through. In the morning, we took him to the university. He carried on practicing there. He yeah. practiced on stage. That's probably going to be me. And, well, but you know what? <laughs> This talk, over 10 million views right now. Wow, that's amazing. So it is, but he really he had just a really clear, simple message. It worked. He delivered it really well. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He engaged the audience while saying it. Really good talk. And, and listen, he's not the only one. Mm. Yes, he's hit over 10 million views, but we've got some really other good talks. There's a guy that came to talk about handwriting analysis, you know, Jamie Cohen. Wonderful guy. Really, really. I have so much respect for this guy. He was a writer on Saturday Night Live at one point. Um, his talks, well over a million views as well. You know, they, these talks, they, they go viral because they're so interesting and they're yeah. delivered in such an engaging way. So. Well, well, I am really excited to be part of this. And thank you. Thank you for coming. I want you to thank you so much for asking me. <laughs> Um, also for taking the courage to ask me because a lot of people don't even dare to talk to me for some reasons. It's, it's kind of like I have that magnetic field around me that people just are too afraid to talk to me. So I'm always really happy because I think when you're connected, my talk will be all about that, yeah. about the importance of making connections and being bold and understanding yourself uh, by getting out of your comfort zone. And so um, I think, yeah. I'm really looking forward to the talk. I'm looking forward to work more with you. Um, definitely will share all of your details below, Dirk, um, for people to get in touch with you. As you all heard, Dirk is looking for ideas. Yes. If you have an amazing idea or if you know someone who has an incredible idea for a TEDx talk, get in touch with Dirk. Um, so, yeah, on that note, I think um, 
I will let you go now again. Thank you very much. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks, Tessie. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming all the way to London. I'm looking forward to come to Luxembourg in December now, in just a few weeks' time. What is it, 27 days? Um, and so making sure that we share the You talk. really are counting down the days, aren't you? I am. Oh, fantastic. Well, I am practicing, I must say. I'm practicing <laughs> every day right. um, on the speech yeah. just because, uh, yeah, I just, I think for me as well, it's because it is in Luxembourg. Right. And I want to give my best when I come home. My, my father is coming to see me, which obviously I want to make him proud. But also the, the, the people of Luxembourg, which are dear to my heart. Um, I don't want to disappoint them. So um, I will definitely try my best uh, also to not disappoint you. And um, yeah, looking forward to it, to see everyone, seeing you again then. That will be the next time we see each other. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, until then, thank you so much for this podcast. I know it's your first one ever. It is. Which is exciting for me. Uh, so you pushed me to something new. I pushed you to do something new. Thank you. Um, and that way we grow together. Thank Very you so much for your time. Thank you. It was a real privilege. Thank you, Dirk.